0: Hey friends, Pastor Brandon here, and we are so excited that you logged on to stream our sermon content here at Community Covenant Church. We pray that it is uh, helpful, enjoyable, and that will help you grow into all that God has created you to be. We have other ways that we help you grow here. And first, that is through our gatherings on the weekend. Um, And it's also in groups as we gather together as the church uh, beyond the weekend. Um, And we are applying this sermon content and the gospel to our lives. And then lastly through mission opportunities both serving inside and outside the local uh, church and so what we pray is that this sermon content uh, is in no way replacing a meaningful relationship between you and a local church whether that's our church or another one in our area uh, we just would pray that this is supplemental to you and not a replacement of a meaningful engagement with a local church and so just praying uh, for you as you continue to grow and pray that God continues to uh, help you connect to a group of people that love you and know you. Blessings. we are in a week of, uh, we're in week number two of a series called Only God, where we're going through some of the major uh, uh, pieces of vision for our church. If we're going to enter into a new season as a church at the beginning of the year, just kind of a brand new vision of a of, uh, uh, next three to five years. What, what is the core of Community Covenant? What are we going to rally around? What are we going to spend most of our time on, spend most of our resources on? Give most of our prayer to when we gather. Well, what are the things that we're going to gather together around as we continue to become a church that only God gets the credit for? Uh, what I love about our church is that is that our our roots are healthy, and as God continues to make our roots healthy, our reach will grow stronger and further. Our 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 uh, our health will be just continue to uh, uh, replicate upon itself. And so, as a church, we're we're longing for and hoping for and and looking for for God to do, is to continue to work in us, we can look back and say, man, only God uh, could do that. Um, And so as a part of that, we're going to continue to celebrate our community in this way. So where are all the dudes at? Come on, come on, raise your hands. I know dudes don't like to do this at all, right? guy's like, no, no, no. All right, hey, on uh, coming up in a few weeks, um, October, I can't remember the date now, something, there's a men's night hanging out. Apparently, I, I should probably put this on my calendar um, because I, I don't want to miss it, uh, but October 12th, is October 12th. there's a men's night out, and so what we're doing is we're gathering together um, to hang out as a church, and so I want all the guys, I'm looking at all of you here, I'm going to continue to, I'm going to make sure, all, I'm going to go to your house and pick you up, and I'm going to get you there. Oh, it's awkward, I know. For some of you that are new, you're like, oh, is he really going to do that right now? I don't know. Um, but no, we're going to hang out today. So we're going to celebrate community. There's going to be a women's night out in a couple months as well. You'll hear more about that. Uh, but ultimately, what we want to do is see God continue to work in the life of our church. And, and God has been doing that. He has done that in the past. He's doing that now. And we look forward to seeing that in a new season. And so you want to see that. Also, in Celebration Sunday coming up, you saw the little thing on your seat. I invite some, someone out to that. But as a part of this whole process of kicking off this vision, uh, we said we wanted to have a new representation about this vision that we were going to have, uh, and what we were going to spend our, 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 our attention on over the next few years, and so on the 21st, you're going to get to see that, so you want to hang out, you want to come hang out with us on, uh, in October, um, and there's going to be a t-shirt giveaway, which is totally cool, I don't I, well, I don't know if you like t-shirts, I like t-shirts, obviously, I'm wearing one right now, um, but there'll be a t-shirt giveaway, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun as we celebrate uh, a new season together, tracking, we good? All right, hey, grab your Bibles, Um, the four of you that clapped, just, that's it, Um, (laughs) grab your your Bibles, Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 19 together today, and we're going to talk about the first way, the first vision, or the first bucket, the first, uh, you know, avenue that we're going to see God move and pray and plead that God would work in the midst of the life of our church, Um, and we're going to hang out uh, in Luke 19 in order to do that. You know, one of the first ways that we're going to be able to look back, and, and, and we believe this, is look back and say only God worked is if we see uh, people become followers of Jesus Christ. That's, gonna, that's like, for us, it's going to be a new set of lenses that we're going to spend a lot of our attention on, a lot of our time on, a lot of our uh, resources on. We're going to see people become followers of Jesus. I think a, a symbol of an only God church is if the lost are found. A symbol of an only God church is if lost people, if people who don't believe, people who just are, are just journeying through life, trying to figure out which way to go and whatever, they begin to find new life, new purpose, new hope, new community uh, in Jesus. And so one of those major ways, one of, the, one of those aspects, that, that type of thing, that that's typically gives us the word um, that we've always described this in the church as the word evangelism. Now, you, you might hear a word like that and be like, man, we need, we need a new word. We need, we need a, but I think what, we don't need a new word. I think we need a revival of evangelism. I think we need to dust off the word a little bit because for us, we could be like, oh, you know, pastor's talking about evangelism again or whatever, but I don't know if you've ever been in church or if you've been in church before this one or maybe this is your first time and you're like, evangel what? I don't get it. Um, I know evangelical, but that's kind of tied together. Um, I, I think we need to dust off the word evangelism and see that someone who's mature or maturing in Christ will actually have a deeper value uh, and a deeper joy in seeing people begin to take next steps towards Christ. I think maturity in Christ, if, if you are uh, have any background in church, if you're maturing in your faith, sometimes what we often like to do is we like to dive deep into something. We like to say, okay, we like to dive deep into the word. We like to dive deep into community. We like to dive deep into something. And I need to find out more. I need to find the little trinkets. I need to dive in and look a little bit deeper and find different things out about Christ that I have not known about. I need to grow in that way. But often what Jesus had us do, more than anything. He said, you're a follower of Christ. If you are following me, you will not just know more about me, but you will obey the things that I've asked you to do. And so it's not just about diving in and having this understanding of God, but it's actually living out the way that Jesus said it was possible to live. And one of those things he often, often did, he exemplified this for us over and over and over again, is he had people who had no background in him, people who had no interaction with him, people had z- z- that didn't look anything like him. He said, I want to eat with you. You got my, all of my attention. You have all of my heart. You have everything. In fact, at uh, some point, one part of scripture, he says he leaves the 99 to go chase after the one. And so this is a story in Luke 19 where he exemplifies that where Jesus is walking through the town, uh, walking through the town of Jericho. And, and we read this story. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. And there was a man, named, man there named Zacchaeus. And he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. You got short people problems here today. That's it. Give me an amen for any of your five, our five fivers in here, right? Come on. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And, I will give, I, I, and, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to his home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. And so you see Zacchaeus, he is so moved upon by Jesus being with him, that the presence of God being in his house, that he doesn't earn his salvation through his giving, but he responds to the love of Christ with giving. He says, this is beyond me, and I need to, I need to show God that this is, this is becoming something. This is coming out of me in such a way He doesn't earn his salvation by doing that, but what he does is responds to his salvation by giving it to him. So he sees everything happening. Like, I'm just in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus, he goes there despite everyone being mad at him. Everyone's just, what are you doing with that guy? Now, look, just to be, I mean, just to show the depth of how awkward this moment would have been in the first century, a tax collector would have been like today's pedophile. I mean, like, that's an awkward statement to even say in public, right? Like, it's weird saying it with a microphone. Just multiply that by 10 times. It's weird. Because that's how nasty these people felt to the crowd around them. And what Jesus said is, I must eat at your house. Oh. Oh, my word. I must eat at your house. Why? Why? Because he wants even the worst of sinners. He wants even the people who would have never, you would have never picked in a million years. How many have one of those people in your life? You're like, if that guy gets saved, Jesus is real, right? <laughs> anyone, anyone got one? Anyone got one? You're like, if that guy, if that guy's taking a step, I know that I know, that I know. If that cubicle guy, if that guy, I just got, you know, how many take a different trip to the bathroom at work sometimes, Right? Because you're like, if that guy can meet Jesus, then that guy is doing, he's, Jesus is real. He's for real. Because at the end of the day, I think what, what Jesus wants more than anything is he loves seeing people who just have no clue who he is meet him. He does. And we see, see it all the way throughout the New Testament. We're going to walk through some passages in a second where we begin to see that. But I think deeply for us as a church, if we want to be an only God church, we've got to be an only God church that sees this happen in a new way. Now, we'll be like, well, what about serving and what about all this? We're going to get to that in a couple weeks, right? We're going to get to that in a couple weeks. And we're going to, I think, balance this in, our, in the DNA of our church in a really healthy way. I'm really looking forward to it. But, but today we're just going to focus on what it's like to see, followers, see see new followers of Christ take steps towards him. And it's our friends and it's our family, it's the people that we're around. it's all this stuff. But I, I deeply want you to understand that this was a central theme for Jesus. Like, like this was a major part of everything. In fact, it was the reason he came. And there's all sorts of things as a part of that, that's a part of his, uh, his message, a part of his preaching. But this, at the end of the day, he wanted people to take the step to move from unbelief to belief in him. And so we're gonna move through a few passages. The first one is Matthew chapter four, right after Jesus's baptism. He says that, Matthew says, from that time Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So his message is that there's this new kingdom and he's inviting you to be a part of this whole new way of life, that you can be a part of this world right now and have actual depth and meaning and joy and love in peace, in a part of a way that you've never understood before, but in fact, it's what you were originally created to be a part of. And he says, I want you to be a part of that. So turn from the way that you're doing, uh, turn from the way of life that you're living right now, and live the way that I created you to live. He goes on into Matthew chapter 9. He says, when Jesus heard this, uh, there was a bunch of uh, uh, religious folks that were just challenging him in a major way. He says, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. That's the worst sermon I've ever heard. I want you to, what do you, like, like, really, are you, you want, okay, Um, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I want that to be the heartbeat, one of the heartbeats of our church. That when we gather together, we're just, man, we're just praying and pleading that God would begin to take steps in the hearts of our family and friends and that he would use our life to do it. Yeah, guys, listen. This is Jesus teaching us. I want you to show mercy. How, I, how often do we say, man, I just gotta do more. I gotta sacrifice more. I, got you, I, I just gotta show my worship more. I gotta pray more. I gotta do all that stuff. He says, no, stop. Stop. I want you to, want you to show mercy to people. I want you to show mercy to people. And and I have come not to call who think they not to call people who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. See, today I, I think there's some of us, and and if 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 I have your story, I, I've gone through this in my life, where I just I know I'm righteous. And man, that's such a dangerous position to be in. I know I'm righteous, but sometimes it's not the security of your salvation that we have to wonder about but it's our positioning before Christ. That we think, man, we're good. We don't need to move. We don't need to change. We don't need to become any. He says, no, no, no. I have not called to. I have not called those people. I just, I'm with people who know they're sinners. And so I just, man, if we, need, we don't need a doctor. We don't need the doctor. The sick people do. And so what we have to do is we have to change everything. We have to literally change the trajectory of our hearts and start to see people take next steps towards Christ. Are we tracking together this morning? We see it continue in Matthew 28, man, and Jesus is getting ready to leave. And he goes, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Who are we teaching? New disciples. Man, he wants this to happen. He wants new disciples to be taught. He wants new disciples to be taught. He wants us to go. Now, now I, if, I don't know if you were like me growing up. Man, when, I grew, when I was growing up, you, were, you, were, you, were, you heard Matthew 28 and you thought, man, I got to go to China. Anyone been there? They're like, oh, I don't want to sleep on a dirt floor, God. I, am, um, I like my bed. I like the United States, right? And it's just a, a misunderstanding interpretation of this chapter in fact this understanding of go therefore go he's saying actually as you do life as you go throughout your day have a perspective that god wants to be there in that midst that god is actually with you even there and he might have a little moment for someone who needs him through you as you go as you go throughout your day Make disciples. As you go throughout your day, understand that all authority has been given to Jesus. And so he continues to look at Mark chapter uh, nine, I believe, Mark chapter eight. He says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Challenging, right? Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, You will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You say, man, if you gotta, this is maturity in Christ. See, a lot of times we think maturity has to, we have to, we're like, we complicate it. We overcomplicate it. And sometimes maturity can be the simplest thing. Sometimes like, like what Matthew chapter nine was saying is maybe we, sometimes we have to close our Bibles, get up from our devotions, and actually go show the mercy of God to somebody in our life. Blasphemy, right? Isn't that an amazing thing that Jesus begins to begin? Jesus just changes this trajectory that sometimes we think that we might be the most spiritual people in our culture or in our family or in our area. And he's saying, man, when was the last time you did something I've asked you to do? And that's challenging. It's challenging when you find yourself in the midst of people. What crowds do you find yourself around? We're gonna get through that in a little bit. But you see Mark chapter eight just teaching us this. He said, what will it benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? We can ultimately lay the the pathway for many people. We can serve people as much as we can. But he ultimately says, if you could gain the whole world, you could be the richest, most Zacchaeus person in the world. But you've lost your soul. And so, this is the heart that Jesus is carrying around all throughout his life, all throughout his ministry on earth, from the moment he's baptized all the way through. He's carrying this one heartbeat of saying you got to live in my kingdom. You have no clue how awesome it is in the, in the in the in the in the in living in the way living the way that you were created to live. You have no clue how awesome it is to live when you're not your own lord. Like we think that we have it all put together. We think that we're holding it all together, but we're one big anxious mess, aren't we? Like and that's really what coming to church is all about. I'm I'm messed up. <laughs> I love when people say like oh it's just a crutch. Yep. Yes, it is. You know why? Because my legs are broken, man. Like, I need Jesus more than anyone I feel like. And that's the message of a kingdom that's centered on Christ. That's the message of a church that's an only God church, man. We need Jesus. And at the end of the day, we all need him. And you just have no clue what it's like to live life with Jesus at the center and how awesome it is. I mean, we're all still jacked up, aren't we? I mean, everyone. No, we're, I don't, we're not posting stuff that we should be on social media all the time. We're just posting our, like, like the good food that we eat every six weeks. No one's posting the macaroni and cheese out of the craft box that we ate last night, right? Why? Because we want people to know things about us a certain way. But we all got backpacks and we all need Jesus. And at the end of the day, we... Are following after a rabbi that at the core of who he was, the center of who he was, cared about people meeting him. So the question is how do I do this, right? I've I've not met many people who follow Jesus be like I know I need to talk to people about Jesus I get it but it's kind of awkward right like you don't I just don't want I don't feel like going from door to door in a blue suit you know and I'm just kidding that's not that's not funny uh, when, when, I don't feel like going into a, I don't feel like going into a restaurant. And just talking to someone, uh, just, I was having, having uh, lunch with, uh, with Jerry, one of our elders. We're like, we don't go up to a, 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 <laughs> a, a, a complete, str- like a, a table full of strangers and start laying down tracks. I mean, there was a time when we would do that. But how do we do this in a way where it doesn't feel like we're like completely out of, like completely crazy, completely weird, but still hold on to some of our normalcy, right? But at the same time, still just understand that Jesus is the center of who we are, and we need to tell people about that. And it's actually one of his major statements to you, and one of his major statements to us as a church, as, a, as people, is to go and make some disciples. And so how do we do that? And I, I, there's a, a friend of mine that wrote a book called This Invitational Life, and he just has this phrase, I love the phrase, he says, you've got to live an invitational life. An invitational life is is a incredible picture of a group of people or a person that just has an overwhelmingly generous lifestyle. I love having lunch with the guy with this guy because he at the end of the day he just he sees waiters, he sees people that open doors, he sees people in a way that I've, I've never seen someone look at someone before. There's just an overwhelmingly uh, positive generosity that overflows from his heart. I mean, he just deeply believes that if we live an invitational life that we'll see people take a step towards Christ. And man, it's not, it's not always included where we have to like, hey, tell someone, walk them down the Romans Road and see, you have an altar call right there in the middle of Wendy's. That's not what we're talking about here. And a lot of times I feel like that is the barrier, that's the picture that we're seeing when we think evangelism. We're thinking, okay, what do we have to do? We have to have like a Ravi Zacharias meeting, right? And everyone's got to understand. I got to lay out all the apologetics about why God actually came to earth and why resurrection took place. No, that's not what the case is. I think what Jesus is often teaching us, he's saying as you go and you live an invitational life, you'll see people begin to take next steps towards a God who's at the core of who you are. And so we have to live an invitational life if we want to become a, a part of this type of, uh, of bucket for Jesus. And so the first way you do that, number one, to live an invitational life, you have to live deeply with Jesus. You're like, wait, 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 I thought we were talking about new followers of Jesus. Didn't he just say, Offer sac- stop offering sacrifices? Yes, he did. But I think at the idea, the, the center of all of this, is the person who's living the invitational life is off, it's often a fruit of someone living deeply with the Father. This, this is what John 14 would teach us um, when he talks about this. It says, remain in me and I will remain in you. This is Jesus teaching his followers. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. He's given us this picture as followers of Christ that the more we're grafted into the tree, the more life we will produce the more fruit that we will see. And so we have to live a deeply meaningful life with Christ. And, and, and this is what I'm saying. I think, I think the deeper you get with Christ, the more simple you understand it. It's not about always diving through, but like, oh, I gotta, get the, I gotta get through the Greek words and I gotta get into what's going on. And if I don't know, you know, like the purpose of Zephaniah, then I don't get it. You know, like, then maybe I just don't, I won't be allowed in. That's not... Ever what he's saying. Sometimes the the most simplest steps are the most mature steps. Sometimes the simplest way to follow Christ is simply just to obey what he's saying to do. And if he's saying the last thing, I mean, just think about it, like the dying breath that someone has, that's often recorded, isn't it? It's often recorded. Like, oh, right on his deathbed, he said this, or she said this, and this is what it meant, and all of that sort of thing. This is literally Jesus' last words to his followers before he ascends to the right-hand throne of God. He gets up and he goes, hey, this life that you're living, go help other people do it. See you later. You're like, no, 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 wait, 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 hold on a second, hold on a second. He says, no, I want you to do that. I want you to make new disciples. And so this this moment, if you remain in me, the deeper you are with Christ, the more fruit that you will see. Not the more knowledge that you'll get. You'll get more knowledge. You know how you can get more knowledge? Google. Find anything out, man. Find anything out. You want more knowledge about something? About some engagement? You want to find out what the purpose you want to lay an outline of every book of the Bible? Google that sucker, man. You got it. You want to see Jesus change lives? Obey well, bam. Do something with what you're learning, and you'll see this new thing take place. And so you want to live an invitation to life? You got to live deeply with Christ. The more and more you know him, the more and more you share his heart, the more and more your heart for people will grow. The more and more your heart for someone who needs to look more like Jesus, that needs to take a step towards Christ, it will grow. Because that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Right, so you've got to live deeply with Jesus. Number two, you have to show up with expectancy. You have to show up with expectancy. If you want to live an invitational life, every moment is brimming with redemptive potential. Everywhere you go, you're bringing the presence of God with you. You understand, you're recognizing that the mission of God is present within the room that you're in, no matter where you are. You have to show up with this idea that like, hey, what, this, something's going to happen here. <laughs> like, like, something's going to happen. Sometimes when, when we go to uh, events with the family, um, I get so excited for something, I'm like walking 15 steps ahead. And Connie will be like, hey, family's back here. Sorry, the microphone. Family's back here. Wait, wait. And I'm like, come on, guys. Come on, guys. Come on. There's this expectancy to a follower of Jesus. So if we want to be an only God church, we got to have this expectancy that God can still change lives. You have to be able to say, God changed my life. And the deeper I live with Christ, the more and more I appreciate and, enjoy, and see the joy and the gratitude of all that he's done in me, the more and more I'm going to see the fruit that he's talked about. I got to show up at this expectancy. That means, man, when I'm sitting in, the, in a cafe shop on Mondays working on my teaching, I'm saying, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And it's often been a moment of conviction for me because I'm like, I just need to get this teaching done and I'm like, I'm studying Luke 19. (laughs) I'm studying Luke 19 about a savior that's moving through a town that needs him, about Zacchaeus in a tree. I'm like, oh God, you're so good. You're so good. I'm sitting around people that might not know him, how convicting that can be. And some of you have that story. Some of you have that moment. Some of you know have this same type of a, a fruit where you're like, I'm, I'm somewhere all the time and I've never had this set of eyes on. That God might want me to encourage someone, to send someone an invite, to do something new in someone's life. I, I just need these eyes of showing up with expectancy that God actually wants to do something. Here. Showing up with expectancy is this deep belief that the more and more you live deeply with Jesus, the more and more you'll deeply believe that everyone's better off with Jesus at the center. And so the more and more you'll say, okay, God, who's the one in here? Who's the one? Or it's it's like the moment where you're awkwardly eavesdropping and you're like, should I say something? I'm not sure. Or it's just someone that you notice in a new way. It's that reaching out in a completely different way. But it's deeply believing that you are where you are because Christ needs you there. Show up with expectancy, no matter where you are. Show up with expectancy. What I love about Jesus is that he incarnated into the world. And what that means, John chapter 1 means that he incarnated, he didn't, he didn't see heaven as a place that he wanted to stay if there were people that needed him. Isn't that mind blowing? Philippians chapter two talks about a God that leaves heaven so that he can be with people. And so he shows up in places where nothing is like him, where everything is broken, where resurrection needs to happen. He shows up there. He goes into the places of death so that he can see new life arise through his broken body, through his blood poured out. If we could simply grasp onto this, if we could simply grasp onto that idea that we go into, we like we go into broken places because we believe that resurrection can take place in both people and places. We believe that, and so we show up with expectancy. Okay, God, what do you got? Who's, who, who? Who are you gonna touch today? So you want to live an invitational life? Live deeply with Jesus. Show up with expectancy. And number three world-breaking news here. Relate with them. Relate with them. This means that life is not all about you. This means that when you go somewhere, it's not just about your checklist. It's not just about your to-do list. It's not just about your purposes that you are relating with them in a way that allows them to see there's something new. You know what I love about this is that the early church, and now I'm just not talking about first century church, the first three or four centuries of church, one of the major ways, like they had no teaching on evangelism whatsoever. They had no teaching on evangelism. There's like no, like you can't read anything, basically, because you're just trying to find that sort of thing, right? Right? They had no teaching on it, but they had multiple writings, multiple teachings, and multiple like explorations about the, about the concept of patience. So all throughout the first few centuries of, of, of the church, there's literally tons of people talking about the patience of Christians. Like, all right, that's it. That's the altar call right there because we don't got any, right? Right. The patience of christianity and how the patience of a christian will show someone and confirm some something in someone else that the patience of someone uh, and and you know galatians chapter 5 said that's a fruit of the spirit at work in your life right the patience of the church is what showed people that god was real in that time see here's the thing is that sometimes i think as people especially in western culture today we're just we're fast food people right that's it. We've got to move from one place to the next. I've got my 14 things to do today. I've just got to get on, get on, get on, and get out. Got to keep going. There's a man named Moses. He you know, was the leader of the Israelites, moved them out of Egypt. You know, how God got, you know how God called him? It was through a burning bush. It was through a burning bush. And, and, and what was interesting about this moment, with the burning bush, is that Moses noticed that it wasn't burning. Now, think about a a bush or a tree or anything like that. How long do you think it would take for someone to not notice that a bush was burning or to notice that a bush wasn't burning? A second? I mean, how often? This guy was in a desert. He probably saw bushes burning all the time, like just combustion, right? And Moses is sitting there staring at a burning bush long enough to realize that bush is not burning. And there's some of the writings and teachings from this time frame, they they kind of point to this idea that Moses had such patience and such ability to see. And he got his attention simply because he wasn't in a rush. See, sometimes I think when we move and we're moving and we're moving and we're being good Americans, we're missing the opportunities for God to call us. See, relating with them, what we end up doing is we're able to actually have a conversation because we don't have to be somewhere in three and a half minutes. And relating with them allows us to deeply appreciate the simple conversation going back and forth with somebody, to understand their struggle, to understand their ache, to understand who they, they are in the midst of their life. See, relating with them can be so simple. And a lot of times we see it, it can be so complicated. And if you can look up and live an invitational life, if you're like me, I have to work on my resting face sometimes. Do you guys know what this means? All right? your resting face. The culture has a more a colorful language for it. Um, but, but there's a moment there where you have this colorful, this resting face. Sometimes my resting face is saying, leave me alone. All right? resting face is saying, leave me alone. I have to work on my, I have to live in I have to literally worry about the way that my face is resting sometimes because everyone's like that guy, don't talk to him. But for me, I so badly sometimes just want to relate with somebody that I really wanna just see who they are. That means don't let your waiter or your waitress leave all the time and say, Hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? It's awkward, I know, it's weird. Hey, I, we're about to pray. Uh, can we pray for anything for you. And so we relate with them in a new way. Understand their age. It also means go to the same place sometimes. You know sometimes we like to find new places? Go to the same place. And just sit in the same table and get the same waitress or get the same waiter. Go to the same place and see the same people. You know, here's the, here's the thing. At the end of the day, we can do all three of these things as good Christians, can't we? We can relate with people well. You can just be not socially awkward for a week, right? We can work on that. We can, we can live deeply with Jesus. We've been, we've been teaching about that for years. We can even believe that when we show up, life can take place because we're bringing the resurrected Jesus with us. But you know what changes this from just following Christ to actually turning it into a moment where Jesus could change someone else's life? Number four. Risk the ask. Risk the ask. Do you want to do you want to take a practice this week? You want to practice this week. You want to practice your Christianity in like a the deepest way that you'll ever be able to do it. Believe in this stuff enough to invite someone to come with you next week. Believe that Jesus can change someone else's life the same way he can change your life. Believe in that enough to actually talk about it and invite someone with you. Now, th- here's the thing. A lot of times we get the barrier is this. I don't know enough to talk to someone. And here's the thing. No one ever has ever been argued if, uh, well, maybe that's not accurate. That's a little bit of broad generalization. But not many people get argued into the kingdom of heaven. You are asked to be God's lawyer. What does Matthew 28 say? You've been asked to be his witness. And if you're living deeply with Jesus, if you're relating well with them, not being just, you know, just just temper down the social awkwardness for a little bit, enough to say hi to somebody, if you got all that moving and not all that working, and maybe the patience of God is working in your life in a way, you won't have to talk about the, you know, what, are we a, are, you know, are we just the body, mind, soul, or what, what's going on? God didn't ask anything. God didn't say, hey, you know what? You need to argue everyone into the kingdom for my sake. Go stand on a soapbox and just go tell everyone how awful they are. That's not what he said. He said, man, I just want you to tell people how much I love them, and I want you to show them with your life. But at some point, I want you to risk the ask. I want you to invite someone. That's why you want to be a part of a church, a, a healthy local church that you wouldn't mind inviting someone to. A lot of times, if you don't feel completely like, hey, this is me, I I, I need to be able to bring someone all the way down through, and I need to say the prayer with them on the side of the road. That's not always the case. That's not how everyone gets brought into the kingdom. Because many of us, what what we'll say is things like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to a cool restaurant on Friday night. Do you want to come with me? Say, hey, man, I go to a church down the street. Would you like to come with me one day? And go out for lunch afterwards. It doesn't have to be weird. sometimes we put so much pressure on this whole thing that it becomes weird. That's not what he's saying. Just risk the ask. hey, would you mind if I prayed? Would you mind? would Would you like to come? Would you like to see maybe what this new way of life might look like? So for us as a church, what we did about six months ago, or actually three months ago, we we, we threw this idea out to you. Say, what's the best way that we could do this as a church? If, if, what, what's the best way we could help you do this? If you were going to become a church, if we're going to become a church that only God could get the credit for, what's the best way that we could help you do this? And we threw out the, you know, like, well, we could plant a church or we could, you know, do this. Or, you, know what the, you, know what every, you know what the major response was? Actually, like 83% of the responses were we should focus on just inviting our friends and family. And so for this season, what we're going to do as a church is pray for 300 people over the next three to five years. For 300 people, 300 of our friends and family, the people that we're meeting, we're going to pray for 300 people to get baptized and and declare their new faith in Christ. Whether that, that could be our kids, that could be our friends, it could be our family members, it could be people that we interact because what we want so deeply is to believe in this so much that we see new people follow christ we'll be tracking this morning and so that's the challenge today that's the challenge today and so what we'd say is this live an invitational life And let Jesus do some work. Amen.